With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of automobiles, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other things, you know, like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? At rockauto.com, you will save money. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today on the Callahan Podcast, well, he's going against the best team in the NFC. He's going against the MVP. He's going on the road, but somehow nobody is picking against Tom Brady. Lots of people rooting against him, but nobody is picking against Brady in the NFC title game. We will uh, break down and analyze the conference championship games and uh, the inauguration. Biden's speech was awful, but then Chris Wallace, he loved it. Chris, how long is Fox going to let Chris Wallace damage the brand? Do I have to? Do I have to love poetry? Do I really have to love poetry? I mean, I like, I like music. I like speeches. Do I have to love poetry? Um, the press secretary, new press secretary, man, she was in the line of fire yesterday. We're going to get the answer to the big question from the media to the new press secretary: Is Joe Biden going to change the? color scheme in Air Force One. We will play you that question if you don't believe me and get into all the highlights from the big day yesterday on the Callahan podcast brought to you as always by DCU. Do you love your car, but hate your car payment? No problem. Refinance your car today with DCU and they can help lower your monthly payment, lower your interest rate or both. Applying is easy and the loan, their loan experts will help you find the loan term, the payment that fits into your budget. Get out of that high rate loan and get the interest rate and the payment you deserve from DCU. Learn more and apply today at dcu.org slash refinance. Insured by NCUA. Alright, Colleen, let's do this. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. Alright, the NFL made it through 256 regular season games and two rounds of uh, the playoffs so far. We got another round Sunday. It's down to one day. I like this day. One day, the 3 p.m. kickoff, and then the 6.40 kickoff. Two great conference championship games. And uh, I, we used to always talk to uh, my friend Kerry Byrne around this time of year in the old days. He, he was like ahead of the curve. You were you were ahead of the curve in a lot of ways, Kerry, the founder of Cold Hard Football Facts. I looked at your website last night and I said, 
this, this, there's a thousand people trying to do what you do, what you've been doing for how many years? Yeah. How many years have you been started doing? in 2004? 2004. Yeah. That would be uh, the uh, years second or third Patriots Super Bowl that you. Uh, yeah, we, you know what? I started it actually in the wake of the uh, 2003 season when they beat the Panthers in the Super Bowl, and everyone nationally was talking. And I was writing for the Herald at the time, but as food, I was a food guy, but I was always a big football fan, and. Uh, Everyone was talking, the Patriots are boring, they're this or that, and how do they win? They're with smoke and mirrors. And I started looking up, being kind of a stat nerd, they were good in all the same things the Green Bay Packers were good in in the 1960s, and the Bears were good in the 1940s, and the Browns were good in the 50s, and the Steelers were good at in the 70s, and the, and the 49ers were good at in the 80s. They were doing all the little things right to win and lose football games, and I created this whole kind of dairy of football analysis and we call them quality stats and we looked at the stats that win and lose football games and what we found is they typically uh uh go against conventional wisdom you know people the stats that win and lose football games were not the stats people were looking at and i think we've actually had a big impact in changing the way kind right. of now oh you did with me and we used to yeah. talk about this all the time and i, I still in, and maintain that the running running backs don't matter i'll say this running running games matter you got to run the ball at times like yeah have a lead and you want to kill the clock, but running backs, I look back now and see running backs, you know, taking first in the draft or taking, you know, top five or getting paid huge money. Like in the old days, they don't do that anymore because they've come around and maybe they were reading uh, cold, hard football. Yeah. Back. I realize running backs don't matter, but one, of, and you were yeah, in, right in the middle of all these, you know, talk radio, sports radio debate, yep. including, you know, the quarterback debate we had, uh, for years, the best ever. Obviously, Brady uh, put that debate to rest a long time ago. Yep. And I heard somebody. I think I think we talked about it briefly, talking about the best postseason quarterback the other day. Who's the best? Po I'm like, what? I mean, there's <laughs> it's it's a ridiculous argument. Uh, it's, uh, you got uh, Brady with now playing in his 43rd postseason games, 14th uh, conference championship, yeah. all the numbers, win, I, I, touchdowns, everything. I mean, there's just no – you can say that. You can make that. You can. I mean, an, an NFL network might have to fill the time and say, who are the best postseason quarterbacks? But there's no debate there. Let me give you my Tom Brady ball-washing stat of the week, Jerry. Uh, if you, if you uh, bisected Tom Brady's postseason career into – Wild card and divisional games oh. and conference title games and Super Bowls. So two separate postseasons. He'd still rank number one and number three all time in postseason victories. He had seventeen wins in the in the in the first two rounds, wild card and divisional. Uh. Yeah, Joe Montana would be number two with sixteen, and then Tom Brady would be number three with fifteen wins in the conference title games and Super Bowls. He's third all time. He's second all time just in Super Bowls and conference title games. It's he's lapping the field of, of, of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And if he wins Sunday, and we yeah. uh, what is he a four point underdog right now? Uh, I had that in front of me one second ago. You got the uh, uh, I should know uh, <laughs> three and a half. He's a three and a half point underdog. Yeah. I can't imagine betting against him. Although yeah. you know he's an underdog. Rogers is great. They're at Green Bay. Uh, this you know uh, the Packers are the best team in the conference, even though the Bucks beat him badly earlier yeah. in the season. It's I can't I couldn't bet against Brady I couldn't root against him and it, I, just imagine I can't imagine him having a game like Breeze had the other day even though he's had had him in the past you know one or two in his twenty year career yeah. and even though the odds are against him and he's and it's on the road and all that 
he's not going to throw three picks. He's not going to uh, fumble in a key moment. He's not going to choke. So you can just cross that off your list. The pack, the Bucks might lose, but the quarterback is not going to fold under the pressure. Um, this, he's, he's still kind of through all this, Jerry, everyone agrees he's the best of all time. He's still kind of underrated. Like, <laughs> like they should be, they should be the favorite. They have Tom Brady. They should be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Well, Tom Brady is going to play better than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, the the, Packer, the mean, Packers beat up on the best defense in the league. Like, I, you know what I mean? So I, I can't. Fair enough. Fair enough. But who, you know, Tom, Aaron Rodgers, he has, there's a big discrepancy between his statistical career and his postseason performance. The same thing with Drew Brees. These guys aren't there habitually, you know, typically in crunch time for a reason. And they like Dan Marino is a classic example. You know, everyone said he had a bad defense. Dan Marino twice played with the number one rate, you know, top scoring defense in football in his career. Not, I think Tom Brady's done it twice as well. Dan Marino lost playoff games when he threw interceptions. Two or more interceptions, he was one and nine in the postseason. One or zero interceptions, he was like eight and one in the postseason. Dan Marino lost games because he played poorly in the postseason. And Aaron Rodgers has not lived up to that. You know, that 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 was amazingly, you know, record setting. Uh, performances he has in the in the regular season, you know, the highest rated passer of all time, and although Patrick Mahomes has since passed him, uh, you know that that those performances performances have not been there in the postseason. So I, you know, just blindly looking at all factors, and it is it, there's only one guy in the field that matters in the NFL. We saw that with how the Patriots' fortunes changed this year, and the Buccaneers changed, you know, fortunes changed this year. It's a one man, it's a one man league, it's a one man game. Uh, and Tom Brady is more likely to play better than Aaron Rodgers. Well, although I'm looking at the postseason numbers. Uh, Rodgers has got 42 touchdowns, 12 picks, and a 100 rating in the postseason. Brady's yep. rating is only 90. Yep. He's got uh, uh, 77 touchdowns, 35 postseason picks in 43 games. Doesn't matter. He looks good. He feels good. He's remarkably healthy. He doesn't yep. appear like, like Breeze, like he's – like he's limping into uh, this this game. And I think I said this the other day. Most people would dread the idea of going on the road, going to Green Bay, 20 degrees, uh, hostile, not, not a big crowd or anything, but yeah, just yeah. doesn't seem like a pleasant experience for an opposing player. I think Brady wakes up with a bounce in his steps and says, I can't wait. He loves these moments. Yep. I'm not saying Rodgers doesn't, though. I, I mean, I'm not, I would never guarantee Brady's going to win this game. No, Rodgers I'm with you. Pretty damn good. I hope he wins. I'm rooting. Um, I'd like to see a Bucks Bills Super Bowl. Those yep. would be the two underdogs. It just seems so unlikely, and I, I think uh, the Bills are the easiest team to root for. I'd love to see yep. Josh Allen in a Super Bowl. Um, but you you have said this for years, and you, you convinced me a long time ago that it, you're right. What you say, one man league. We we don't put too much. Uh, importance on the quarterback position. Some people, you know, they they will say that because they think it sounds good. Oh, it's just yep. one player. You got to run the ball and stop the run and establish, you know, and all this nonsense. If you have yep. a great quarterback, you win. If you don't, you don't, which is why, you know, Bra uh, the Patriots at seven and nine is not that bad because their quarterback sucked yep. and they somehow won seven. Maybe, maybe without Belichick, maybe without. The, you know the coaching staff they had. Maybe they're, you know, five and eleven or four and twelve, like Texas. Te the Texans had a much better quarterback than Patriots. They won four games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, listen. You know, uh, it was predictable what would happen to the Patriots without Tom Brady. It, it just was, and it doesn't mean Belichick's not a great coach. I mean, they, they, they. I think they threw eleven touchdown passes all year. 
Like I think the last time the Patriots threw that few touchdown passes, Rod Rust was a coach. Are you like, sure? I think it would, might even go back before. That. No, I looked it up. I think it was Rod. I, I think it was that whatever you know, one of those terrible Rod Rust or, or Dick McPherson seasons. So we're going back 30, 30 years. You know, I mean that's that's almost impossible to throw any twelve touchdowns in a game. So they they did they won seven games in spite of you know historically bad quarterbacking for the franchise. But uh, it, it's not just this year. It's not just Brady, and it's not even recent. We know you and I have talked about this stat a million times. It's passer rating differential. Which yeah, is I was going to get to. I I, I heard yeah. somebody the other day, Kerry, didn't yep. give you credit. They were yep. making their picks, and they said it's all about defensive passer rating. And I said, Wow, yep. we didn't hear that before. Yeah, yeah. Are you still Are you still a believer? Is that still the number one barometer when you if look you, at the- you go back all the way to the dawn of the title game era in 1933? Okay, you know before the very first title game was in 1933. Since then until today, 40% of all NFL champions, so four out of 10, were number one in that stat, Jerry. Number one. So if you just looked at that one stat, you would, you would be able to name 40% of all NFL champions over the last you know, 90 years, whatever it's been, 67, 88 years, just by looking at one stat. There's no stat in all of sports that's more indicative of postseason success. So it's remarkable, and it's, it's always been that way. Even in the 30s and 40s, it was that way. People think teams, you know, grounded and pounded. That's not really the case. It's not our – there's a mythology around football in the 40s. That's not really reality. Uh, you know, the Bears dominated the 40s because Sid Luckman was the most efficient quarterback in football. That's why they won. Right. Uh, and it's the same thing with, with uh, the Browns in the 1950s and Paul Brown and those innovative offenses. They had Jim Brown, but Jim Brown only won one title. They won all their championships before Jim Brown got there. You know, I mean, they right. – which team, who's got the best defensive passer rating? Or who's well, you know what? I'm going to look that up while we're speaking because I don't I, know it off the top of my I, head. I, I, uh, you want a, want a fun stat, and I know this is what you yeah. live for, but it's not a very uh, complicated one, though. And I'm looking at it. Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers had 40 more touchdown passes than Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Rodgers had 48. Cam yeah. Newton had eight. <laughs> so this is actually a bit of a down year. You know, there are anomalous years. I'm looking at it right now for defensive passer rating. Uh, none of the top four teams are still alive, believe it or not. So Buffalo is number five. Uh, Kansas City is number 10. Oh, uh, Green Bay is number 14. And the Buccaneers have got there with the 18th best pass defense in football. So Brady has won in spite of – a this is a historically bad defense to reach the championship game if we're being honest. Uh oh. So uh so we'll see. But you know, this is it looks um, you know, going through it, it is a bit of an anomalous year. But if we look at pass rating differential, number one Green Bay, number two Buffalo, number four Kansas City. So three of the top four teams are number are the only t- the only outlier are the Saints. So what, the, what, the, why would you pick Brady if he doesn't have the best defense? He is on the road. He is oh, facing I'm not, the I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, all things being equal, the Packers are a better team. But what I'm well, saying you just is, said you just said you know Brady should be favored. Why would you favor him? I would. Would it surprise you if Brady played better than Aaron Rodgers? Of course not. But yeah, I yeah. it wouldn't surprise me the other way either. I mean, they're both great. Yeah. Uh, Rodgers is is better than Brady right well, now. The, the, the Packers are a better team, and the, you know, the absolutely overall are a better team. I'm just saying, I would. I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't bet against Brady. I mean, you'd, you'd be foolish. And lots of people will. Lots I know. I don't. Be billions bet against Tom Brady this week, yeah. or bet on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, but it is. It is amazing. I'm looking at. <laughs> how did the Patriots win seven games with Cam Newton? Eight touchdowns, ten picks, 
Aaron Rodgers, 48 touchdowns, five picks. He had half as many picks as, uh, as, as, as Cam Newton. Brady, 40 touchdowns. He had 32 more touchdowns than his predecessor in New England. But anyway. by, the way, by the way, one of only 10 quarterbacks in history to throw 40 touchdowns in a season. And he's, he's one of the 10. You know, because he did it in 2007. At age 43, he he's done. He did. He had a historically productive passing season. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. You know, and we all make fun of him for eating avocado ice cream or whatever it is, but obviously, whatever he's doing works. You know? Brady just will always find motivation to get up for the playoffs and games like this. Like, have you seen some of the interviews with Aaron Rodgers this week? He looks no. like he looks like he just smoked like ten joints. He's like yeah. the calmest individual. Like he just he I don't even know. He just looks so laissez faire right now, and he's playing so dominant that whatever he's doing is working. Yeah. But Tom Brady, I, I, all I see, all I see is those friggin' ads of State Farm or whatever they are with the Rogers yeah. price. I'm so the, me- the memes that uh, Rogers Mahomes would be amazing for State. I saw, I saw someone describe uh, Aaron Rodgers. I forget the writer. It was some story I was reading. Called him. Uh, the coolest kid in the room. He just has that kind of so calm, yeah, school type, but almost almost douchey cool though. You know yeah, what I mean? Uh, video, yeah. The video was going around yesterday of him at the combine when he was coming out of Cal and you know dropped to low yeah. in the first round. But uh, same thing, very cool. He was talking to uh, they had like a supermodel or someone doing the sideline reporting, and he was he was like flirting with her. He looked the same, by the way. He looks the same now as he did then. He has a pretty good lineup of who he's dated. His history is pretty good. So <laughs> is he still with is Danica Patrick? Still uh, that's uh, that's probably why he's, maybe she's uh, maybe she's a little wacko, and that's probably why he's in the mindset. No, no maybe. And you know how crazy you have to be to drive a race car for a living? She's that's nuts. Not, yeah, I mean, yeah. you, think, you think she's afraid to do certain things in your bedroom? <laughs> oh no, no, no! I just mean she might be li- like legit. She's crazy. She oh yeah. Like, I think, yeah, I think he likes the crazy ones. Yeah. Some oh, people, sure. some people. Who's, who's like this girl right now? Who's this girl right now? Uh, I don't think he. I don't. I haven't seen anyone. But who was the woman who was in one of those Marvel? We're going to talk about Avengers later, right? Yeah. Uh, there was like a. Who's the chick? She used to be on the Daily Show. She was a correspondent. She's a big Hollywood actress now, and uh, she is Olivia. Olivia. But yes, Munn. Munn. Olivia Munn. Who's she, not the best Olivia? Olivia Culpo is. Uh, she, she's spectacular, but you know he's doing okay. Aaron Rodgers uh, doing okay, and and he's the only guy around Brady in Brady's universe who's not like falling apart or, or, or growing old before our eyes. Everybody else. Yesterday, Philip Rivers, who was uh, drafted four years after Brady, retired the way you know normal guys retire. He reached the end of the road, had a great career. He's going to the Hall of Fame along with his two other, the two other guys in his draft class, uh, Eli Manning and uh, Ben Roethlisberger. But we've talked about this you know, for weeks now. All these guys are doing what you're supposed to do when you're 38, 39, 40, yeah. in the case of Breeze, 42. They're just falling apart. They're getting old. They're they're unable to make the throws that they used to be able to make. In And Sunday was the best example when Drew Breeze just struggled, had like yeah. the worst game of his life. And it was obvious they didn't throw deep. You know why? Because he can't. Yeah. He's got broken ribs. He's got, you know, all kinds of aches and, and pains. Brady had his best deep throwing year of his career. He throwing had his the best. He had his best weapons he's had in a long yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The uh, you ever uh, look at old pictures of, like Y.A. Tittle? He looked like eighty. He was like thirty-five years old. <laughs> right. Like you know, and the only Brady, picture you ever old. see, the only picture you ever see, he's got blood pouring down his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah that happened against. Old. I think but that the, happened against the network. The yeah. Two weeks ago, the network or three weeks ago had the had the picture of Brady and George Blander, the only two guys to whatever throw a touchdown pass at the age of forty-three. 
Brady looks like he's 30 and Blanda looks like he's 60. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're a bit of a historian, Jerry. You uh, you know who Ernie Pyle is, a great World War II correspondent. Sure. You look at uh, Dave, if you, I don't know if you can pull him up, but you look at Ernie Pyle, this famous World War II correspondent. He was one of the most famous people in America in the 40s. He was killed at the end of the war. He was only 43 years old. He was Tom Brady's age. If you look at this guy, if you have you listen to Google it, he, he looked 80. And, you know, these people back then lived tough lives. I mean, he was there's, in... Uh, there's a lot of good ones. You know, you know how old Carol O'Connor was when they started uh, All in the Family, which is oh. 50... Uh, All in the Family debuted 50 years ago last week. The, oh, greatest, wow. the greatest television show ever. I dropped the ball. Ernie Powell. He's Tom Brady's age. I'm not sure, <laughs> <laughs> He died at 44. George, George Blanda. I mean, I realize George Blanda hung on because he kicked, but George Blanda looked yeah. the same way. You know, he's gray. Probably yeah. had a cigarette, you know, high cup in a cigarette when they took the picture. <laughs> but um, Carol O'Connor was 46 when they started All in the Family. Are you kidding me? <laughs> How about Robert Shaw and Jaws? He was, only, he was only like in his 40s. <laughs> Clint, right? He, he, was he seemed like grizzled old salt in his 60s. He was like, he was like 45 years old. Really? Yeah, yeah. The amazing Conan's sixty-two. Yeah, I'm the Rob Lowe of podcasting. It's modern, you know, it's modern technology, and I'm telling you, Brady. Uh, we can make fun of him all, all we want with the pliability yeah. and everything else, and uh, never strawberry, and doesn't drink or doesn't drink much or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but whatever he does is remarkably effective, even if it's Botox, even if it's plastic surgery whatever he does he's the greatest advertisement ever for it yeah absolutely you know what he's not going to get old he's going to get hurt i have always said kind of like breeze kind of like peyton manning guys get hurt i don't know if philip rivers was hurt or he just feels like he's got other opportunities but he was not bad in his final year but he's made a lot of monies like time to move on that's the way it's supposed to work brady is we've moved on. We've crowned him the greatest ever. You have made that case for years that he's the best ever, better than Montana, clearly better than Manning. But now he's moved on to another achievement and it's being the, the biggest freak to being the guy that defies the odds, defies age. So I think in his mind, it's a whole new challenge. Can I do this when others are, you know, on the sideline up in the booth, you know, guys like Tony Romo up in the booth, who are much younger than he is and, and retired a long time ago. I think that's what motivates him now to just defy gravity and, and time. Another Tom Brady ball washing stat. And these things are, are Ruthian. And, you know, when you say Ruthian, Babe Ruth was hitting 60 home runs when teams hit 12. Right. Right. I mean, you know, back in their early 20s, right? He was doing things that still stand the test of time. I believe the first year that he led the league, he had 11. The first time. Yeah. He was, yeah. And then no, a couple he, of years later, he had 60. And he had multiples of other teams. Like other teams had 12 or 15 home runs that year. Uh, his win-loss differential, I love this. I think he's plus 181. He has like 261 wins and 80 losses, plus 181. Only two quarterbacks ever have won 181 games. Like his differential, like it's, you know, Tom, uh, Peyton Manning, 200 wins. Brett Favre, 199 wins. And I think Breeze is around 181. So, the difference between his number of wins and his losses is like greater than the number of wins of any quarterback ever. And I know I'm not explaining it well, but it's just so vastly different than anything that came before. It, it's, re- it's unbelievable. You can't right. He's got 42, is it 42, 43 playoff games. Number two, the couple of kickers in there, but then Jerry Rice is next with 29. Yeah. Well, yeah. just playing in, in games and he's won 32 playoff games. Yeah. 
Rice played in 29. So yeah. you can use that stat where his differential wins over losses is greater than anyone else's wins uh, in, in so many examples. And you know what? He's not going anywhere. He's going to yeah. go to the playoffs again next year. Nine, got- nine out of the last 10, this entire decade, the second half of his career, he's winning the title game every year, but what, 2018? No, but last year, every year but last year, he's been in the conference title game. Nothing. I mean, if he goes, if he wins Sunday, he goes to his 10th Super Bowl. Yeah. That means in half the seasons he's played, half the seasons he goes to the Super Bowl. I believe Rodgers has only gone to one, right? Is Rodgers one. One. gone to yeah. one Super Bowl? And then you got other greats, all-time greats like Breeze. One Super Bowl ring. One. Yeah. And that's not enough. You can't be in the conversation I realize nobody's in the conversation with Brady, but you can't yeah. be in the conversation with Brady and Montana and I guess Manning, even though he did nothing when he won his second, with just one Super Bowl. I mean, it's just not enough. And then you got yeah. a guy like Rivers, who I think is a Hall of Famer, with no Absolutely. Super Bowls, none. Never played one, but, you know, he's got all kinds of big numbers, gaudy numbers, and, and people like him, and I think he'll get in, and that's fine. Rivers retires number five all-time in pretty much everything, attempts, completions, yards, touchdowns. One of those, he might not be number five. But anyway, he's basically a top five volume, you know, passer in the history of football. He would, when he entered the league, those all would have been the NFL record. Like he, he, he surpassed Dan Marino and everything. And with nothing to show for it, that's the remarkable thing. It's the ability for Brady to get it done in the biggest games over and over and over. And as a fan, you get greedy. And I'm sure he's greedy. I remember, and I'm really, I'm not really a Patriots fan as much as a football fan. And I am a Brady fan. I, I bought I bought Buccaneers season tickets this year. One of the worst financial decisions I've ever made. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, my buddy Alex who wants to play Braintree Brew House. He said, "Yeah, let's go, let's go to see the Buccaneers this year." And of course, you know, I think we can carry him over the next year. But anyway, uh, I, you know, when the Patriots won that Super Bowl in '01, you're like, "Oh, you never thought you'd see the Patriots win the Super Bowl. This is great." And then every year, you, I want him to get another one. I want him just to pad the stats, pad the stats, pad the stats, and and say I witnessed it and saw it. Not only saw it as a football analyst, kind of envisioned it and was ahead of the curve and told people, hey, you're missing the boat. He's not just some dink and dunk passer. This guy's a transcendent performer. And it turned out to be transcendent beyond anything any of us ever imagined. And I, I think the greatest player ever in NFL history, but also the most hated, not because he did anything, not yeah. because he's like, you know, Tyreek Hill or, or uh, you know, Kareem Hunt yeah. and, you know, beating up his wife. And just because he frustrates everybody so much. I mean, the idea that he could go to a Super Bowl in his first year in Tampa at the age of 43. Just imagine how many people, not just fans, but media people and uh, and and players and former players are just frustrated as hell saying, yeah. damn, him again. Yeah. And, they'll, and they'll be invested in the week, uh, Super Bowl week in the game, just because they want him to lose, because they get, yeah. get so sick of wanting him, or watching him win. But you're right, I'm looking at, uh, looking at uh, Phillip Rivers, and he'd be considered, if he put these numbers up 20 years ago, you know, pre Brady and pre Manning yeah, breeze, he'd be considered one of the all time greats. I mean, one of the greatest ever he's uh, um, a career fifth all time in passing touchdowns, fifth yeah. in passing yards, uh, 12th in, in rating all kinds of uh, career. Yeah. 421 uh, passing touchdowns. If I remember correctly, Marino at 420 retired number one all time. And that to us guys, our age was, but we never thought we'd see that again. Right. But by the way, Brady's Brady's gonna he's already the only six hundred touchdown passer in history, including postseason. He might throw for over seven hundred touchdowns in his career, including postseason, when all is said and done. And again, Marino probably including postseason had like four hundred and 
45. What were you planning on doing? Flying to Tampa every week? Well, I'd probably go to a couple games and yeah, yeah, and sell the rest of the tickets. You know, we all have friends down in Florida. So yeah, that was the plan. And you and you're gonna renew your season tickets for Tampa Bay next year. Well, if Brady's back, yeah, yeah. Well, and and well, and you think you'll you know get your money back if you can sell them? Well, you think I, mean, I might be looking at property down there too, Jerry. It's time to get out of Dodge you, here. You know? well, but you just you you just um, you know laid down your roots in uh, in New York. You're wow, a New man. Yorker now. But if you if if you wanted, could you get Super Bowl tickets if they go because you're a season ticket holder? Yeah, I get the emails. I'll have to look. Actually, that's a good. That's my to do list today is to go look into that. I'm on the mailing list. I got to fight. Yeah, I'm probably eligible for. And, and you'd finally be able to. You'd finally be able to actually go to a Tampa game that you were planning to do this year. I know. don't know if you can actually go yet. Or you don't know what, if are doing? what are they doing for the crowd? I don't even. I haven't looked. Do you know what they're That's doing? A good question. I don't know. It's Florida, so they'll probably have as many as as possible. Maybe yeah. fill the fill the place. But that's another thing. It would be. It would. It seems fitting that if the. Brady would be the first ever to win yeah. a Super Bowl in his home stadium. No, one, no one's ever done. It's the fifty fifth Super Bowl. It's the first time the home team will have a chance to win. In the uh, what do they call that place? The pirate ship or something? I don't know. I, I still I remember the big sombrero. Remember that? Is that what? Uh, uh, big sombrero. That was the old Tampa Stadium. Remember that? It had that weird. Bring back stadium. the all-time greats like uh, Leroy Selman and uh, uh, Leroy Selman. I mean, who else? <laughs> that was it, right? But that Derek Brooks. I mean, who do they bring back for like all-time greats? Vinny Testaverde. The first, you ever see the old John McKay? Remember John McKay was the yeah, great coach at USC in the seventies and became their first coach of the Buccaneers. And he had all these, he was obviously there were terrible teams. They went 0-26 out of the gate. They went 0-14 and 76. I think they scored 103 points that season. Think about that. In the whole season? 14 games. Look it up. The, it, the, it the, orange, the orange bath mat yeah. uniforms. But they asked, they asked John McKay, what do you think of your offensive execution? He yeah. says, I'm all for it. Yeah. The, the execution of your offense, and he said, I'm all for it. Oh, Famous well for line. It. Yeah. He was yeah. good for you yeah. know some good lines, but terrible, obviously terrible. Yeah. But terrible I think it was either 76 or 77. It was either their first year they were 0-14. The, the second year they set out 0-12. Imagine, uh, like, when this came up, by the way, I was the first to say it. Dave can vouch. I said Brady to Tampa Bay because somebody told us that at the Legacy Club. Yep. Said that January 27th, before the Super Bowl was even played. But it seemed absurd at the time. People were like, Tampa, they suck. That's Tampa. Even though they uh, won a Super Bowl, it didn't seem like a place. There was talk about going to Dallas. There was yeah. talk about going to yep. uh uh, where else, uh, you know, Miami for a while. Where else would Brady go? L.A., L.A. Uh, Chargers, L.A. Rams, whatever. Lots of places he was rumored to be going. It didn't seem to make yep. a lot of sense about to Tampa. But let's be honest. We found out why he chose Tampa above all others. The weather. When, when Arian said last week that he lets him coach. He lets him coach. Yeah. By the way, he lets him GM, too. Yeah. So he got the GM. He got to get – his buddy Gronk, his buddy Antonio Brown, he got to play, you know, with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. He got to have this, um, you know, great, um, uh, uh, all these guys, all this talent around him. Um, he got what he wanted, build his own team, coach his own team. And as a side benefit, as he's pointed out, he doesn't have to spend uh, the winter in New England anymore. By the, way, by the way, we're not, giving enough, we're not giving enough credit for this. Uh the Buccaneers were easily the worst franchise in NFL history. I mean, their winning percentage, everything. They went. They had that one Super Bowl run with a great defense in 2 But otherwise, they've been a terrible franchise. This was their best season ever. They scored the yeah. most points ever. They had, you know, their second most wins ever. Uh, 
like one guy comes in and all of a sudden this historically inept franchise is a legitimate big time Super Bowl contender and the Patriots go in the tank. And don't forget in 01, when Brady stepped on the field, he was stepping on the field for a team that was five and eleven the year before. 0 oh, and two and oh one had only scored like twenty points in the first two games. And they go to the Super Bowl. They go 14 and 3 the rest of the way. He'll have now turned around two franchises in the space of one season. Yeah, two some although the Patriots were under uh, with, uh, with Parcells and Breeze weren't in the you know in the toilet then. They'd been in it plenty of times over the years. They year. were bad. They were five and eleven in two thousand. They were zero and two out of the gate in two thousand one. That was a bad team, and it became a good team when Brady stepped on the field. Yeah, one of my favorite stats was the uh, or, uh, I don't know if you call it stat, favorite factoids from yep. Brady's career that the Patriots Brady has had with the Patriots. He had one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve seasons with twelve wins or more. Twelve yeah. seasons. With, you know how many they had before he arrived? Zero. 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 They'd Zero. never won twelve. He won twelve. Twelve times. He's averaged in his career fourteen wins per season, including postseason. Think of in a in a. That's amazing. So you're, you're only guaranteed sixteen games, right? Everything else is gravy. He's averaged 14 wins per year, and right now he's on win 13. If he wins tomorrow, he's right there at his career average of I think it's like 13.9 wins per season. Wow. That's 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 unbelievable. He's a, literally the winningest player in the history of North American sports. I mean, it's not even a, if we were on the radio on Boston radio right now, we'd ask the question: Is New England pulling for Tom Brady? Because it's the most predictable thing you could ask this week. It's not even a question, right? It's no, not. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, what do you think? I, my friends are not. They're anti-Brady. That is insane. Then yeah, I, you're kind too. of a crazy person. You hang out with crazy people. That's just the. It's the dumbest thing. The guy's done nothing. I yeah, agree. Yesterday, I heard on the radio they're talking that like the reason they're root there that some people are against Brady is because he's like he's flashy about the fact that he's in Tampa Bay. He's got a boat and there's pictures and it's like who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, I said this Sunday when they showed after the game that he went out on the field with Drew Brees' wife and kids and had a had a moment and threw the ball to Brees' sons and I said he just he just always does everything right. Yeah. I mean he does everything right. The only time he got in trouble was, you know, taking air out of a football, which was absurd. And we talked about that for feels like yeah. decades. Yep. Or, you know, maybe that someone handed him a Make America Great hat and he stuck it in his locker and laughed about it and said, yeah, it'd be great if Trump got elected. He'd put a putting green in the White House. <laughs> he didn't take it seriously. He didn't support him. He didn't care about it. But, of course, the Trump haters wanted to lump him in with Brady Lump. Brady in with Trump so they could hate him even more and, yeah. and pretend that he was a MAGA guy. And as I lived through, he talked about it a couple of times, laughed about it. And then he realized that these people take no prisoners and they were going to try to ruin his life because he, you know, supported because he used to play golf and, and used to be friendly yeah. with, uh, with Donald Trump. So they tried yeah. to ruin him, but you can't come up with anything he did wrong. I mean, it's not even, I'm not even talking about beating up his wife. Yeah. I'm talking about, you're you talking know, about a miscue at a press conference that he says the wrong thing. He's yeah, like, well, you know one. what a miscue would be when he said that the fans should get lubed up. Lubed up. That was yeah. lubed up before a game. What was that? 15 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Like 15 years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah. Or he said, and I believe me, I was there for most of them yeah. on the radio with him. And he said, the Jets suck. I hate the Jets. And people, oh, the language or whatever. He used to swear every week, by the way. Yeah. A producer would have to like bleep it, but he would drop F bombs. He's a he's a he's got a salty, salty language. Oh, um, but hey, but by the way, the big debate down here in New York is comparing him to Jeter in terms of a transcendent figure who won championships, who was a clean living guy, 
at least in terms of reputation. And where do you guys see that? I mean, Jeter is kind of like I remember him getting a standing ovation at Fenway Park at the end of his career. But Jeter, but Brady's Babe Ruth. Brady's the greatest player yeah, I ever. Agree. Jeter's not the greatest player ever. Would he? He's not even like top ten ever, is he? No, but in terms of their public persona, perception, it's like the all-around good guy winner. And he's wonderful, and he's you know did a great job, and he handled the pressure in New York as well as anyone. But he wasn't even the best shortstop on his team at the end. You know, yeah, the enough. guy playing third on all the steroids. That guy who was at the inauguration yesterday. I love the <laughs> Alex Rodriguez up there with, and all you have are like ex-presidents and first ladies and yeah. senators, and then you get the people doing the anthem and the poems and all that, and then there's a Rod. I'm like, yeah. what the hell is he? He's, he's, his glory. he's the anti Brady, the guy who yes. he, he's just a total done everything dude. wrong. He's done everything okay. wrong. Yeah, yeah. Incredible talent, you know, didn't obviously was from the time he was like 16 was earmarked for the major leagues. Top pick. You're right. Anti Brady would be Alex Rodriguez. Totally superficial, uh, total phony. Um, I always wonder, we always ask what will Brady do when he's done? And I, 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 even though he works his ass off, he won't coach coaching's not. And I don't think he'll announce except occasionally make an appearance. I think he's too big for the traditional roots where he won't, run a team he won't coach he won't uh, broadcast he will run his little empire tb12 and he will hang out occasionally with tony robbins or some of his other uh you know chopra what's his name deepak chopra, oh, deepak chopra. yeah yeah he, he'll run with that crowd and you know maybe he'll occasionally like i said appear at the super bowl to do a show halftime show but I think he's too big for the uh, traditional. Well, route. It, 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 like it feels like he's he's super passionate, obviously about playing the game. He's never really led on to like he's super passionate, you know, talking about the game per se or, or building a team or you know what I mean. I've never heard him really talk like that, as opposed to his TB12 shit, where like I almost feel like his dream is to be what Peloton is right now. Like yeah. that's his that's his post career. He missed that by like two years. If he retired two years ago, he'd be Peloton probably. By the way, from day, from day one, he's been very uh, – he doesn't do the, the Baker Mayfield ads, the Peyton Manning ads, the every guy next door yes. ads. You know, he's, he's what, Rolex and – like, he's very okay. kind of – uh, That feeds – Hoyer, not Hoyer, Hoyer, whatever, Hoyer. Hoyer. yeah. That, I mean, feeds, that feeds into the national hate, too. He's like he's global. He's, he's, he's even he's like so David Beckham. You know what I mean? Like, by, it by, is, the way, by the way, I follow the Premier League. I'm, I, I – I'm not way into it, but I, I I can't baseball. I got sick of basketball. I can't stomach. Uh, the biggest athlete in the world, Cristiano Ronaldo. Tom Brady, I think, has like eight million Instagram followers. Cristiano Ronaldo has 250 million Instagram followers. That means one in every 32 people on the planet follow this guy on Instagram. Wow, I'm glad it's I'm. Un- uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm one, the, I'm one of the 31 who doesn't. Uh, I only <laughs> I only follow uh, soccer to root against the Liverpool Reds. That's the team, right? The John Henry's Linda Pizzuti team. That's their team. Yeah, yeah. yeah he won the good. he won the World Series in the European Championship Soccer Championship in one year. It's unbelievable. Oh, too bad. Too so bad. Anyway, yeah. I'm with you on that. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch it or anything, but uh, you know, I just ho- I root for the worst for the Liverpool Reds, just like I root for the worst for the for the Red Sox because the owners are, are contemptible people who. Uh, um, no, you, you just can't root. Decent. No, I agree. Can. I'm with you on that. So, Jerry, let me run you through if you got a couple minutes on just the impact of one player, okay? The impact uh, of one player from Kerry Byrne of Cold Hard Football. So, last before we, get, I, before I we a, get to the impact of one one man, one great, great man, Joe Robino Biden, who was uh, inaugurated yesterday, and uh, we're <laughs> going to get to that because I have some thoughts, but let's get to your thoughts on 
one man's impact on a football team, which is not supposed to be. I mean, in basketball, one man is supposed to dominate. In football, it's not supposed to work that way, but it does. It does. You have a good quarterback, an efficient quarterback. Your scoring goes up. Your wins go up. It moves in lockstep. I've graphed it throughout all NFL history. But here's a couple statistical indicators of the transformation of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in one year. Uh, last year, they were 24th in what I call intelligence, team intelligence. We call we have a stat for it, intelligence index. Basically measures your efficiency in all phases of the game. The Buccaneers were 24th last year. They're seventh this year. They're one of the smartest, most efficient teams in football, largely because they're second or third in the NFL in offensive efficiency. They take a very few yards and turn them into a lot of points, which was a hallmark of the Patriots under Tom Brady. Now, another indicator that's pretty remarkable is uh, what I call relativity. It basically measures how well you perform relative to the quality of your opposition. So if you average 30 points per game, but you're playing, you know, really bad defenses, it adjusts for that. Uh, the Buccaneers were 15th last year. They were middle of the road team. They were they were just about average. They were no better, no worse than the quality of their opposition. This year, they're second in the NFL. They are when you adjust for the quality of their schedule and their opponents. They're actually the second best team in the NFL. They're actually better than the Packers in this stat, not by much. The Packers are fourth in what we call relativity. So the Buccaneers have been punching above their weight class all season long. So if you're looking for a reason to give them a fighting chance to win, they've actually. When we adjust for the quality of opposition, they've been the better team this year. All right, who you uh, you you you're not picking against Brady. You're going to pick the Bucks. Are you going Bills, uh, Chiefs? Mahomes is playing. I think we all agree yep. now. He's going to uh, rub some dirt on it and play whatever it takes. They're not going to let the best player in the NFL sit out the conference championship game because he got a little bell rung last little little dinger last yep. week. So, uh. I'm rooting for the Bills, but it's it's hard to imagine Mahomes at home losing this game if he's if he's healthy. Maybe maybe he's slow. Uh, maybe he's not I'm, not 100. percent But I, it's 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 hard to imagine that Chiefs offense, that quarterback, that coach losing this game at home. Let me give you. So I'm looking at the numbers Help right now out. for the first time live with you, and I am picking the Bills to win outright. All right. And here's why. Okay. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football. The guy's magical. So he is a great equalizer. If the Chiefs won 40 to 10, right, none of us would probably be surprised. But let's look at the numbers, okay? Uh, uh, I'm going through here. The stat we look at most, passer rating differential. The Bills are actually second in the NFL. The Chiefs are fourth. The problem with the Chiefs, they have this great passing offense, but their passing defense is kind of a weak link. The Bills are much more balanced, okay? So the Bills are actually better in what we call the mother of all stats. Uh, the Bills are number one in total team yards, Jerry. What this is is not – people look at – they look at the wrong numbers all the time. Total team yards is all your yards, okay? People just look at, oh, they're number two in offensive yards. Well, that doesn't matter. Total team yards looks at your return game, looks at how many yards you get on turnovers. It puts in yards on penalties. It's the total yards you generate as a team. And the Bills were uh, the number one team in football in total team yards. The Chiefs are number three. Uh, and on relativity, the stat I just told you, how well you perform relative to the quality of your opposition, the Buccaneers and Bills were actually tied at number two. The Chiefs were number four in terms of relative performance. And by the way, number one were the Ravens, and of course it didn't work out for them. So, you know, the stats aren't, you know, they're not locked in stone, but they're indicators of where teams are relative to each other. So if the Bills pulled this out, I don't know, what the, I'm going to look up the number on it right now, but I would not, I mean, I would certainly expect the Bills to cover. It's a big number. 
Uh, but I, I, I got I, three, three. I got Chief three. Mine, three. Okay, I uh, maybe that man. changes once they say Mahomes is in, or uh, yeah. certainly, it certainly changes if Mahomes is out. But uh, he better be in. I, but, I'm rooting for the Bills, but I love watching Mahomes play, and it just won't be the same. There you go. That's the uh, the guru, the founder of Cold Hard Football Facts, who is uh, data driven. That's what you like to say, data driven. Unlike an idiot like me, who just goes with <laughs> uh, an emotion. Well, I got to tell you, Jerry, you were one of the first to adopt what we were doing. Uh, you know, we, we early on with Cold Hard Football Facts, you put me on the air. You listen what we had to say, and you're a tough guy to deal with. If you don't agree, you come after people. You've and you know we you know and you've you've listened what we had to say, and you know we back it up, and and you you've done a lot. You did a lot to help us, and you know this went. You know, we ended up with Sports Illustrated, NFL Films, and you were you were a country Christ, for that. Jerry, get over it. Not a funny deal. It's funny that you you ruined a lot of the arguments, or you made you know yeah. at the time it was like here's why Brady's better than Manning, or Brady's better than Montana, yeah. or Belichick better than whoever, and we had those debates every day, and and at times we'd go to the Colhard football. This yeah. is before Twitter. This is before most of the uh, you know the websites which kind of stole stuff, copied you, uh, popped up, and it was look at look at the cold hard football facts. Yeah. Forget the emotion, you know, I'm rooting for this guy, I love this guy. Just look at the numbers. And you were making a case for Brady like in, I don't know, 2000 and what? 2004. 2004, before the, with the, the Peyton Manning uh, 49 touchdown season, we came right. out before the divisional playoffs and said we did the complete and unabridged guide to why Tom Brady is better than Peyton Manning. And it went viral. It went now, you know, when viral was an early thing. It took off nationally. You guys had me on. We talked about it. And the football world laughed. They laughed. They said, oh, this guy's an idiot. He's a homer. And we laid it out in detail, one number after another. And, of course, it proved true. And that that one story actually changed my life. I mean, I became, you know, it, uh, you know, ended up working all around the country covering football, covering schools and everything on the strength of that one story. Right, who's the, who was the one that said you're a fool, you're an idiot? Who's the everybody. One? everybody. No, 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 everybody. Name names, Dan. Oh, uh, you know, remember, I don't even know if he's still around. There was a guy at CBS Sports, Pete Prisco. Of course, he's still around. Is he? Oh my God, we battled with him, and uh, we used. He was actually good natured about it. No, we like him. He's a nut, and he always wants to fight. But we like him. I would run into him at Super Bowls, and he was totally cool. He 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 got it. You know, some people take sports too seriously. I mean, people wishing you cancer because you because you don't like their favorite player, and then Twitter Twitter drove me nuts. I remember one time writing, "Tony Romo is the highest average per pass attempt in NFL history," and people like. F you, you think he's better than Peyton Manning? Go die, you piece of shit. And like, it's just a stat. It's just a stat. And, I, and, you, and you always, and I was right there with you. I think you convinced me of how uh, running running backs are overrated and you can't be taking a running back. Uh, you certainly can't take no, a running nobody back. Nobody does anymore. Nobody does anymore. Nobody I know. does. But yeah. you think that not long ago they did uh, Curtis Enos, you know, or uh, you know, know. the running backs who were taking the top of the draft. There's a little bit of a resurgence with that, with uh, – you know, Ezekiel Elliott and yeah. uh, Saquon Barkley. What, what is Ezekiel Elliott one? He's, in, um, he's incredible. What did Jim Brown – Jim Brown is the best football player of all time. That guy could have played okay. any position in any era. And he won one championship. He led the NFL in rushing eight times. Nobody could stop him. And the only year they won a championship with Jim Brown was the year they led the NFL in passing efficiency. Think how, think how rarely the greatest ever won. I mean, O.J. Simpson never won. Um, I mean, he won the Heisman, but – he had to give it to Fred Goldman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he never won in the NFL. You know, Walter Payton won once. Uh, Eric Dickerson never won. I mean, yeah. the greatest ever, uh, greatest running backs ever put up numbers, look good, you know, won awards, but never won. It's all about awards. passing efficiency. You look at the most efficient quarterbacks of all time. Number one in the 60s was Bart Starr. 
in the eighties with Joe Montana or in the in the in the in the two thousands with Ben Brady. Those guys combined have won what now eleven, fifteen champ they won fifteen of the last sixty championships. They've won one and four, just those three guys. Well, fortunately, we got four good quarterbacks, four yep. great quarterbacks this weekend. So, you know, who knows? It's going to be fun to watch. The NFL beat COVID because through all this, we've ended up with two great championship games and yep. I assume a damn good Super Bowl. Uh, but we have to move on, uh, Kerry Byrne, because, you know, the, the, we have to – yesterday we uh, ushered in a new era, an era of – Light, not darkness. We opened our souls yesterday. We did. And yes, yeah. and we reached out like the lights along the reflecting pool. We reached our arms out and we embraced our our fellow Americans. It's. I feel like. I mean, I feel the love. I really do. I, yeah. it, the, I mean, you saw the the Antifa scum going through Portland and Seattle last night. Yeah, already you riding. Feel the love. Yeah. You feel yeah. love. I'm going to say this. Uh, let me do. Uh, let me do shake concrete, and then we'll get to the inauguration. And to a couple other things, the final day, the final morning of the never dull Trump era. And uh, I get some uh, some criticism for our 45th president as he goes out the door. Um, but first, let's talk about Shea Concrete. You know what Shea could do for you? They could build your building. Did you your very own concrete building, your very own precast concrete building? They partner with Easy set worldwide, and they manufacture precast concrete buildings for multiple applications in a variety of sizes. Shea's been manufacturing precast buildings for over 17 years, and no one does it better. Precast concrete buildings provide the most durable and long lasting option compared to other modular building applications, such as metal, wood, masonry. Shea Concrete Manufactures delivers and installs these engineered precast concrete buildings as a true turnkey provider from initial handshake through the final installation support. With a focus on cost efficiency and quality control, each of their precast concrete buildings are pre-assembled at their factory and typically delivered and installed in one piece by their experts. Uh, you know what makes them uh, better than other buildings? They, they can uh, they can build them in the worst of weather because they do it indoors. That's unlike other, you know, wood, metal, they do it indoors, in, the, in their big plants. They build your building. This increases productivity, lowers cost, and gives the customer a legitimate time frame of when the building will be placed on site. To learn more, simply go to shakeconcrete.com or call them up and ask for Frank or Mike. These are the experts in these buildings. They'll tell you what you need. They can tell you what sizes they can build. It's the answer. You need a building, go for a precast concrete building. Call them today or just log on to shakeconcrete.com. Learn all about their precast buildings. I right, back to uh, Kerry Byrne and uh, Dave Cullinane and me as we talk about the inauguration, and uh, it was all you'd expect. I mean, I was waiting for the slobbering, the just the sycophants in the media. It's nauseating. We'll get to a couple of those things. But first, just as we wrapped up yesterday, Trump was taking off. We were some of the some of the pardons were just just so frustrating. I thought he was going to go out and and throw a bone to his supporters and 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 stick a, a finger in the eye of the deep state and pardon Assange or Snowden or maybe some others like that. Instead, he pardons a couple of rappers, one record Death Row Records guy and one Kodiak Kodiak Black or Kodak Black, whatever it is. Both of them hated him. Snoop Dogg was the big fan of uh, this guy, Harris, who ran Death Row Records. Snoop Dogg made a video 
where he shoots Trump and Trump pardons his buddy. Kodak Black made a video where he, I don't know what he did, beat up Trump or stabbed him. He pardons him. So he was getting bad intel, man, bad advice. Someone was telling him, and I, I realized to him it was a way of showing that, you know, he wasn't racist. I'm, I'm pardoning lots of black people. Well, what if the black people hated you? Yeah. What the hell are you pardoning them for? And then the, the former mayor of Detroit, perhaps the most corrupt politician in America, Kwame Kilpatrick, pardoned him for some reason. I don't know. I don't get that one. Um, and didn't pardon, I guess I'll give him credit, didn't pardon the, ti- pardon the Tiger King, which was good because that would have really pissed me off. And pardoned Steve Bannon, this sleazebag who was arrested and charged with ripping off Trump fans. The biggest Trump supporters of all are the ones that Bannon was preying on because he was getting them to donate money to build a wall. So these are huge Trump fans. These are wall fans. These are Trumpkins. Bannon rips them off, gets arrested, and Trump pardons him. So it was not a good day and not a good morning for the big bad orange man. I mean, it I, he, I, he I, didn't uh, he didn't pardon himself and his family like everybody said he was going to do. That's true. That's true. But he doesn't have to because Joe Biden said we're all going to unify now. We're all, we're all Americans. We come together. First of all, uh, we got to get to the, the inauguration itself. The speech, the speech was boring, banal, mundane, cliche ridden. It was tired. It was slow. It was weak. It was typical Joe Biden. But I guess you didn't see like a big stain appear on his pants where he wet himself or dentures didn't fall out or you didn't hear him, you know, blasting gas or whatever. So that's all it took. He didn't fall down. So the media said it was wonderful, but I have to be honest. I can't, I mean, most of these media stooges, Chuck Todd's and the Jim Acosta's, I can, you know, laugh and mock them. I admit Chris Wallace is driving me insane. I hate Chris Wallace from Fox News more than I've hated any media person since, I mean, aside from the ones who've personally tried to ruin my life, aside from them, you know, like people at the Boston Globe, I don't remember ever hating a media person as much as I hate this smarmy puke, Chris Wallace. We know he was in the bag for Biden. We saw it in the debate, uh, the first debate, where he just, you know, wanted to make Trump look bad, asking about Charlottesville and climate change and interrupting and he was clear. He clearly showed his bias, and nobody at Fox would call him out. It was disgusting. But yesterday, as soon as it's over, and again, it was a boring Biden speech. What you'd expect. He didn't, you know, crap his pants, but he didn't. There was no soaring rhetoric. Absurd to think. Chris Wallace comes on the air and immediately says the best inauguration speech he's ever heard, and he's been watching these since 1960. I thought it was a great speech. Um, I've been listening to these inaugural addresses since 1961. John F. Kennedy asked not. I thought this was the best inaugural address I ever heard. Obviously, a lot of this event today, a lot of the. That is that is I'm sorry. That is a wrong. It's just wrong. I mean, he's wrong. I I heard historians, even stooge historians that, that, that love Biden. Better than JFK, better than Ronald Reagan, better than, and I obviously not a big Obama fan or Clinton fan. You're saying he was better than Obama at making a speech, reading a teleprompter. No one's better than Obama reading a teleprompter. Hell, Donald Trump is a hundred times better speaking, reading a teleprompter than Biden. This guy's on Fox News. 
you are you guys aware of what's happened to Fox News yeah. since the election? Their numbers have fallen through the floor. Now I'm a loyal Tucker Carlson guy. Tucker is great, but his numbers his numbers haven't fallen like other shows. But their ratings have gone off the end of the table. In I mean, it's incredible the drop, and it's all his fault. And I'm dead serious about that. That upsets people who are Trump fans, who are Republicans, just average. They listen to that and they know that he's completely in the bag because it's not true. He wasn't the best speech in 60 years. He's just saying that because he hates Trump and loves Biden. The longer Fox News leaves that guy on the air, the more their numbers are going to suffer, their bottom line. They got rid of that Chris Steyerwalt, that tub with the bow tie, who, you know, is another uh, uh, Biden fan. They dumped him. If they don't dump Chris Wallace, their numbers are going to continue to fall. I know. I'm. I know those crazy right wing zealots. You know, those are my people. <laughs> you, give, you give Chris Wallace way too much credit. You really. No. You really. Hey, you tell me. You tell me, Conan. Tell me then. Why are people bailing on Fox? Uh, people are bailing on Fox specifically because of election night and the call for uh, what was it, Arizona? They, yeah. they, well, that's, yeah. a, that's why they dumped that Chris. Correct. But Chris Wall. Chris Wall. I have never once. I, not in my entire life have I heard anybody say, oh, I can't wait to watch Chris Wallace on Sunday morning. Oh, hold on. Uh, Chris Wallace's normal daily hit on Fox News is today. But, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. There are people who are much crazier than me, much more passionate, you know, Trump fans. Those people, they need an outlet. Uh, and they look at this and say, I can't do this. I can't give them my, my time and energy. I'm going somewhere else. And the reason they do it is Chris Wallace. The reason, I mean, and again, it was that Chris Steyerwalt guy, and there are one or two others, John Roberts, but he stirs the passion because they know what he did just there was not say, I thought it was pretty good for Joe Biden. Not bad. He said it was the best ever. That's absurd. Jerry, our, uh, by the way, I met with our old Herald boss, Ken Chandler. I, I'm, uh, you probably remember Ken. He's now the editor-in-chief at Newsmax. And they're the ones reaping the rewards here because, you know, if you're a conservative, you have no voice left. You there's nowhere to get it. It is so in the in the the, the media is not even pretending to be fair anymore. They just in the tank. They were openly in the tank. And Fox, they even if it's just purely a business decision, should cater to these people because there's money to be made at it instead right. of just becoming part of the cesspool of left wing media where they're going to be fighting for the scraps. You know, uh, believe me, I follow a lot of them on Twitter and I know people and they yeah. are like disgusted with Fox. And it's not because of whatever, you know, Martha yeah. McCallum or Dana Perino or or Tucker Laura. Any, it's because of Chris Wallace. That piece of crap <laughs> is pissing people off and they're turning the chain. They're going to Newsmax. I'm hey, I love Newsmax, Gary. I've been on Newsmax. Yeah. And hopefully I'll be on more because you're right. People are turning and they're not turning the channel like hitting the clicker like this. They're hitting it like this. Yeah, they're slamming yeah. it, saying, "Get off my screen, you weasel!" By the you way, Steve. And by the way, uh, finally, someone called him out. Greg Gutfeld. He did. On, yep. on on the five called him out. Was good to hear because most of the people are afraid. Maybe Chris Wallace is tight with the Rupert Murdoch sons or something. They're afraid to challenge him, which is disappointing. If you're going to have an open well, forum. Don't, don't you think that's the problem? Like that's the problem with journalism as a whole right now. Yeah. It's turned into opinion and activism at the same time. So Chris Wallace says that yesterday, that news anchor, throw out your like news credential, whatever journalism yeah. school you think you went to go back at him. Because now if you're going to act like that every, on every single news network, now let's just go there. Let's go all in on it. Because it's true. You have to it's wait true. 12 hours for Greg Gutfeld to say something. 
And it's, it, you're absolutely right because you see that on other channels, on, uh, you know, on MSNBC or CNN where they'll say, you know, all Trump supporters are, are Klansmen. And you'd be waiting for someone to challenge it, waiting for the host to say, uh, excuse me, you know, explain that, back that up. And they don't because they're just all on, you know, like-minded Chris Wallace Wallace hosts a nationally syndicated. This isn't just on like a cable television channel, a nationally syndicated Sunday morning show. You, you hear about the way that people talk about like meet the press or CBS Sunday morning. Chris Wallace is up there with them and he is then allowed to give his opinion on something on a, on a Wednesday afternoon. It makes no sense to me. I honestly don't even get the business. And and he should be challenged. That's all you've said it. I've said it for years. Just challenge him. You could say that, but it's absurd. I mean, the, the host or his co-host or whoever should have said, what is wrong with you, Chris? That, that speech was, you know, mundane at best. You know, tell me what makes this the best speech ever. I'll tell you what makes it a bad speech is he didn't have the guts to call out. He called out right-wing extremism and domestic terrorism and white supremacy, which is the new boogeyman. Trump's gone, so Biden's team has to come out with a new boogeyman, and it's White supremacist domestic how, terrorists. How about this one? Multiracial whiteness. That's a new one. Oh, that's a new one. Multiracial whiteness. But <laughs> this, they, need, white. yeah. they need an enemy. And this time the enemy yeah. is made up. Say, oh, these these bands of white ring, uh, white ring terrorists are coming to get us. He says it. He doesn't have the guts to call out China or Antifa. And as he's saying it, Antifa's you know, uh, marauding through uh, Portland and Seattle and, and New York, the night before, New York, they injured a dozen cops. They went to war on cops. And these Democrats don't have the balls to call them out. There is a much, much bigger threat from Antifa than there is from uh, the Proud Boys. But By the way, it was ironic in the clip you showed uh, the Chiron said, uh, Biden says, politics should not be a raging fire. Meanwhile, there's a raging fire in Portland, Oregon. They're literally burning flags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, people forget. I, I nobody knows this. In one of the riots, in one of these Democrat-run riots, funded riots, funded by people who support the Democrat Party, went out and bought the T-shirts and bought the bumper stickers and and flew the flags on their house. Uh, five, co- twelve cops were shot, and five shot cops were killed in Dallas. Look it up, July seventh, twenty twenty. You can't find any information about these cops shot dead in cold blood by Democrats. Okay, let's not forget who they by, were. By a BLM supporter. By, they, they shot they, dead. By the way, uh, uh, by Obama went down to the memorial service and blamed the cops. Said we're all to blame here, including you, the police. Jerry, you he can't went to the memorial any- service for five dead cops and said the the cops should share the blame. But they I would be going on this. Camera. You can't even find info about those cops. The only place you can find info right now is on the Dallas Police Department website, which has a memorial bio of these five cops shot dead. When do you hear about this? Why isn't why didn't it, it barely made the news? All right. We got to We got to get to the inauguration because I mentioned the speech. It was boring. It was mundane. The anthem was very good. Although Lady Gaga thinks it's all about her. She, you know, like it, it's about the country lady or Gaga or whatever you call yourself. She's a great singer, but you don't, you don't like make the anthem into this performance. The anthem is about the flag and the country, but she's, yep. she's a great singer. And I still think the movie, uh, a star is born. What a great, I watch it. I don't mind much. Well, of movie I think it didn't work. Cause Chris Cooper can't, ke- I mean, uh, Chris Bradley, Cooper, Bradley Bradley. Cooper can't keep up. Nobody could keep up with Lady Gaga. Right. It just was, 
to me, he, he did his best, but it just didn't work because, you know, she was so much better. But anyway, hang on, hold that thought. I got to talk about our new sponsor, GovX.com. That's G-O-V-X.com. As we all know, uniformed professionals sign up to serve causes greater than themselves. If you've ever served in the military, law enforcement, firefighting, or frontline medical communities, you are eligible for free membership in GovX.com, the greatest online shopping site for Americans of service like you. Your job demands a lot from you, from deployments to long shifts and the dangerous situations most people don't have the courage to face. There's a reason why GovX believes service-minded patriots like you deserve special recognition. GovX.com delivers the deals on all the gear you need for your on- and off-duty life. Register at GovX for instant access to discounts on epic brands like Oakley, Yeti, Garmin, Vortex Optics, Benchmade, Danner, and more. The site was built exclusively for the men and women who serve our country and communities. That's why every month GovX supports nonprofits serving the military, first responder, or law enforcement communities. We don't just thank you for your service. We honor it. Signing up is fast and easy and totally free. Become a member today and use code Callahan for $15 off your first order of $50 or more. GovX.com. Savings for those who serve. Then you have this poem. 22-year-old Harvard grad Amanda Gorman, I believe her name was. And I guess as poems go, it was good. People were just in awe. They thought it was the. It went on a little too long. And. I just don't like poems. I'm not a poetry guy. It didn't rhyme. It was, you know, it was a, a way to blame, you know, Trump and blame the, the rioters on January 6th, but do it in poetic form and do it from someone who is unassailable. She's young. She's smart. She went to Harvard. Apparently, she's a great poet. I made one little criticism of this on Twitter because I'm not a poetry guy. I don't want to do poetry. I, I like music. I like songs and speeches. And it's like, oh, immediately you're you're you hate America, you hate you're, you're racist because you don't like poetry. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, it doesn't do much for me. Garth Brooks came out, and I wanted to mock him because Dave loves him. He was excellent. It was it was a weird choice playing Amazing Grace because it feels like a funeral when I hear Amazing Grace, and I thought it wouldn't work because he's Garth Brooks and it's a cappella and it's Amazing Grace, but it worked. They should have let him sing two or three more songs and you know. Ixnay the poem. That's my opinion. He is brilliant. He is a brilliant entertainer. I mean, you got. I'm. I, I'm actually. I'm one of the few guys from Boston who likes country music, and and uh, the guy can light up a room. I mean, amazing grace, how sweet. It's just the voice of an angel. Just literally. Don't you, don't you guys agree that it feels like you're at a funeral when you it hear does. it? It does. But Garth Brooks, he is bringing the country together one song at a time. And it was evident yesterday. And, and he did make a point. Like, shook hands or you know, with all the people in front, like uh, with Biden and his wife and his family. And I think, you know, uh, uh, Hunter. Hunter was there front row center. And, and, man, that's like the longest Hunter's gone without a bump. You know, yeah. I, I should have looked this up before the show. Did you see the thing going around online where when he left, he said "f you, Pence"? Did you see this? Because no. I heard I was driving home yesterday and I heard Dale Arnold report that as if it was fact. There is no shot in hell. Who said that, Hunter? No, that Garth Brooks said oh. to to Vice President Pence, "f you." No. There is no. He ran. Shot in hell. He ran. It looked like a Price is Right, where he's running up on stage, yeah. running everywhere, and he forgot to say hi to Bush, and he ran over and hugged him. 
Yep. And I heard one anchor say, I think he violated all the COVID protocols right there. <laughs> he did. And he should be careful because he's a little chubby. But you mean like you mean like telling uh, making a mass mandate and then not following the rules yourself? Right. <laughs> Make a mass mandate. You must wear a mask on federal property. And the next clip, he's standing at the Lincoln Memorial without a mask. But whatever. You you have seventeen executive orders from Biden yesterday. Not one does anything to help hardworking American taxpayers. Not one. It's all about the climate accord and opening the border and stopping the Keystone Pipeline. It's all just uh, throwing bones to the extreme left and the extreme echo terrorists out there. But let's go to, did you watch the poem, Colin? I watched the poem. It's, uh, you know, what's not with you? I'm not you? Guy. Just, it, didn't move, it didn't move me. I'm not a poetry guy. I feel like it's awkward. It's awkward. We'll play a little bit. Mr. President, Dr. Biden, Madam Vice President, Mr. Emhoff, Americans and the world. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. And the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. You know, it goes on. <laughs> I guess that sort of rhymed, but so that doesn't do much for me. And I'm telling you, she's one of those people who you just can't criticize because I, I didn't really criticize. But you're supposed to be all moved and emotional and say she was amazing. I'm, I, is that too much for you guys? She's a very – I've not seen it. I didn't watch it yesterday. She's a very dignified young lady, obviously. Uh, but if she was a conservative at a Trump uh, inauguration – Today, she would be the most despicable human being Uncle Tom in the world. And it's just the disparity in the coverage that is infuriating. The first thing I saw when I turned on my computer this morning was about Kamala Harris's wardrobe change. Right. Like, this is, this is so it's, – it's literally theater. Democrat politics now are theater. The first thing Biden does is open up the border to 11 million immigrants. Who does that hurt, Jerry? Does it hurt the middle-aged it, white media guy? It does, does it not. It does not hurt the rich, I'll tell you that. It does, so does not it hurt, hurt the rich. It, it hurts the poor people in the inner city who are going to be out of their neighborhood flooded with cheap labor, who are already struggling to, to get educated under Democrats, to find jobs under Democrats. It's only going to hurt the people. Every, everything he does. I mean, the, the Keystone Pipeline, shutting that down, hurts working-class people. Know, it I puts know. a lot of people out of work, and and it raises prices on gas, and do, and it and it raises our dependence on Iran and Russia. It's a terrible idea, but the real crazy radical you know, uh, environmentalist nuts want it, and he owes them because they were behind No, Jerry, you're people. wrong. It's not the crazy whack jobs. It's the average Democrat. It's, it's now 50% of the population who... 20 years ago, we would have thought they were radical nuts. That is mainstream now. Opening, Having no national border is now mainstream. The stuff that I, is I, now mainstream is, is, would, would have been radical 20 years ago. It's just the rate at which this has happened, the radicalization of the left in this country is mind-boggling. The way they all get in lockstep is, is frightening. One day a I, message out from the politicians, and the next day they're all parroting it. Right down the way, line. I got to add before we uh, move on. I got to add, Bon Jovi sucked too, doing a, a Beatles song. Uh, Here comes the sun from where was it, the Santa Monica Pier? Is that where he was? Something like that. Yeah, oh, it was terrible. Yeah, it was a terrible choice for a cover song. Springsteen. I didn't even hear the song because I was so upset that he again was breaking the law. He was on federal property. He was on the Capitol steps 
or the Lincoln Memorial Steps singing without a mask. Uh, and he's starting to look his age. He's like 79, 80 years old. He's starting to look his age. Bunch of tired, old, washed up nobodies. Not uh, Katy Perry, though. Katy Perry killed it. You got to admit that. She, no, I missed Katy cool. Perry, but she does. She looks good. She yeah, looks good. Fantastic. Um, um, but, uh, I guess, and then we had fireworks, which by the way, have been banned everywhere. You couldn't have fireworks in Boston on new year's Eve because somehow they spread the virus or in New York can't have fireworks because they've spread the virus, but you can have it when you defeat Donald Trump and you, and you put Joe Biden in office, then you're allowed to have fireworks. Once again, rules for thee, not for me. Um, we got to get to a couple of, uh, this is a theme that we're going to be. Uh, uh, sticking with for four years at least is the absolutely shameless uh, media coverage. They're not even pretending. They're not even going to pretend to be media. It's one big team. They have, you know, they have more cheerleaders than the entire, you know, NFL combined, just a bunch of lapdog stooges, sycophants who are thrilled that their hero, Joe Biden, and they're, you know, he's, they like him, but their real hero, Kamala Harris, is in office with her Chuck Taylors. They, they, they can't wait to get in that press room and just get down on their knees and just lick the toes of these people. Yesterday, what's her name? Uh, Saki gave her first press conference. Uh, Jen Saki, the press uh, secretary, an entirely different uh, mood, tone. This is the same place, the same room where they would ask Kaylee McEnany, when are you going to stop lying to us and attack her viciously? Um, Saki came out there and it was one just softball, uh, question after another, but my favorite, I think, uh, you have this one calling from a reporter who asked about, uh, the color scheme on air force one. Do we have that? A lighter note. Uh, will he keep Donald Trump's air force one color scheme change? This is such a good question. I have not had the opportunity to dig into that today. Um, give <laughs> this was one of the first questions, the new administration will, Biden keep the color scheme on Air Force One. Now, could you tell me one reader, listener, one person in America who cares about that? I mean, it took the Fox guy, Peter Ducey, to ask about the Trump uh, impeachment trial. Will Biden tell him to call that off, seeing how the theme of the day was unity? And Biden could have done a lot if he really meant unity. We know he doesn't mean it. He's part of this, this, this new movement that just wants to crush their enemies. He's going to work with big tech. He's going to work with big media, his friends in the media to completely crush the opposition under the pretense of, you know, going after domestic terrorism. They're going to change the law. They're going to try to destroy people. Anybody in Trump's universe, any of the 74 million who supported Trump, they're coming after you. They don't, these people don't care about uh, unity. They don't care about togetherness. We're not all in this together. Biden is leading the, the, the charge to just suppress speech and and destroy his enemies get ready for it um and people like this reporter i don't even know where she's from will be asking about the color scheme on air force one what an embarrassment what a complete and utter embarrassment to the profession but peter you know peter ducey's there front row and she'll get like one good question every day and the rest will just be kissing her ass and talking about fashion uh the fashion model that is um Jill Biden. I, I got the tweet here. I think I sent it to you, Colin. And this is my favorite tweet from yesterday. Dr. Biden is bringing American fashion back into the White House, starting with this subtle 
sparkly coat. This is from uh, Refinery21, which has like a billion. They have 1.3 fo- million followers. They do. They cover fashion, beauty, entertainment, and more. Um, this is so silly. I don't even know where to begin, but Jill Biden, I'm sorry, Dr. Jill, Dr. Jill is bringing fashion into the white back into the white house. The woman who just left that morning was literally a supermodel yeah, I know. <laughs> and, a, and a fashion designer. She was literally a supermodel. She leaves an immigrants, an immigrant supermodel. <laughs> right. Don't forget, yeah, but world country, yeah, and never appeared on a cover, and never got a tweet yeah. like that. That you know, yeah. and never got uh, anything. But you know, the the the, the uh, riot or whatever at the Capitol last week was kind of disturbing from a media end. I'm I'm fairly active on social media, and a lot of my friends are media people on social media, uh, social on you know my social networks. Uh, a lot of them in Boston. I was I was shocked. It the 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 downfall of the industry is so vast. Uh, we had people, prominent media people in Boston, cheerleading censorship, cheerleading the fact really? that, like, not even, like, how about, let's have the debate. I don't know a single conservative Republican who wants to shut down debate. I no, won't have the debate. You put a Harvard professor in front of me, I'll go toe-to-toe with Terry, there is, the there is none. Get it straight. There is yeah. none. There is no conservative calling for more censorship. None. They don't exist. Everybody doing that is calling is coming from the militant left. Open, but not the militant they're, they're mainstream now, Jerry. They're ma- th- these are prominent media people happy that someone's voice is being shut off, and they don't care. That, that to me, is a sign of... Want it. They're cheerleading it. I know. That's a sign of weakness. That's why, at some level, I'm positive about this, because that is a sign of intellectual weakness. If you want to shut off dissent, you're a weak-minded person. You're not smart. You're not an intellectual. You're not an intelligent person. If no, you, and, and you, if you don't have shut facts. me off... Yeah, you don't have yeah. the facts. You can't make yeah. the arguments, so you say yeah. shut them down. Yeah. Cancel culture only goes one way. There's only one way. Only one side trying to shut people down. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. trying to uh, uh, you know take away their book contracts, their record contracts, trying to take away their jobs. Yep. Yep. Only one side does that, yep. and it's the tyrannical left. And it's going to get worse. I wish I could say that you know it's going to get better. I wish I could say there was really a, a new president who cared about unity. How easy would it be if he said, I care about unity, put Trump back on Twitter, let him back on Twitter, you know, let, don't cancel, you know, Josh Hawley's book contract that don't do that. You know, let tell big tech to stop, uh, wiping out people's, you know, Twitter accounts and, 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 and banning and suspending people tell Jack Dorsey to stop it. Tell Zuckerberg to stop it. Tell, tell, um, Chuck Schumer to forget the damn trial, the impeachment trial, which does nothing. It doesn't affect Trump at all. I mean, it means yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's these, these, these they levels, don't want unity. They want they're like Clubber Lang. They want pain. But these people sooner or later, they're going to eat their own. Basically, all these people cheerleading censorship uh, have have admitted that they are now Jack Dorsey's little bitch. And if they disagree with him, then their opinion can be stifled. They have basically said that Zuckerberg and Dorsey and Bezos and all these guys I got to control what you say and what you do and what you think for the rest of your life. They can't be that. Maybe they are that dumb. Maybe they are that dumb. Maybe they're that docile, a group of sheep that they just want to be told what to think. But they have basically said, 
I am not going to have themselves. They cannot have an independent opinion because it needs to be approved by Dorsey or else we'll shut you off. No, everybody should be scared. They're not because they don't think they'll, it'll ever come for them. But they want Dorsey. They want Zuckerberg to crack down. They want new laws. They feel like this is like post 9-11. We need a new Patriot Act. They want new domestic surveillance laws to go after their you know, the, they say the white supremacists. It ain't yeah. the white supremacists. They know they're not a factor. They know they don't really matter. They're going after their opposition. Mainstream conservatives are in the crosshairs, and it's going to get ugly. It's going to get nasty. But you know what? In the end, this is what people voted for. They voted for this kind of uh, uh, authoritarian control. And I'm, you know, I'm. It ain't gonna get. It ain't gonna go well. It's not gonna go well. On the bright side, though, I did see him, and this is a good sign. I did see him spontane. I want to. I want to emphasize the word spontaneously. He spontaneously ran to go talk to two reporters yesterday uh, when he was walking down the street, which was very natural. It was very. He didn't, he didn't talk to them. He just said like one word. One was like, uh, "I'm happy to go home." Would you yeah, say right. that to somebody? Like and the guy starts yelling the second question, he just ran away. In a way, yep. And, and well, you know, the big story, by the way, the big story with the mainstream, will he be able to bring his Peloton into the White House? Because he's such a fit guy. He wants to get on the Peloton, but the Peloton is a security uh, risk. Right. All right. That is Kerry Byrne from Cold Hard Football. Is that all it is? ColdHardFootballFacts.com? ColdHardFootballFacts.com. You can also check me out on KerryBurn.com or my business and, and stuff. You have, to, you have to read up before you make your bets, make your picks for the uh, conference championship or the Super Bowl because uh, – he is the most data-driven football analyst out there, and uh, he's been ahead of the curve on lots of things, lots of things. But uh, you're picking uh, the two underdogs, right? You're picking uh, the yeah, if I'm a betting yeah. man, I would go uh, – I'm not confident in either, but uh, I like there's some numbers in their favor. And usually when you go against conventional wisdom, you make out. Good, because I'm with you on that one. All right, Kerry, thanks. We will right. do it again soon. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. It. And uh, – Thanks to uh, Shake Concrete and Allied Paving and DCU and GovX.com. Uh, what I miss, Colin Ain? Not too much. Uh, a fellow sensitivity training guy, Justin Thomas, by the way. And a I saw that. Oh, you guys go. They're sending him the sensitivity. He lost his advertisers, or yep. one big one, and probably others will follow suit. And now he has to go to sensitivity training because he let the little three-word F-word slip talking about himself when yes. he missed the putt. He apologized up and down. Not enough. He's got to go to sensitivity training, and I'm, I'm sure it'll fix him. They will deprogram. Yeah, we were, we were talking about Tampa earlier. So Arrowhead is letting 17,000 fans in this weekend. Get-in price is $900 right now. You're kidding. Yep, that's a get-in price. Nine. You know what? That'll sound like a full stadium. 17,000 enthusiastic people. Yeah. That's good. Uh, and Tampa's got what? they got to have more than that, right? That, I mean, Tampa for the Super Bowl will – will be more than that, won't yeah. it? Yeah, oh, it'll definitely be more than that. I don't know how many people they're letting in. That's what, 25% of basically Arrowhead, I would assume. I think it holds 75,000. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, something. That's a good number. That's yeah. good. As long as there's people in the stands. It makes no sense to not have people in the stands because it's so easy to socially distance. But, all right, we, we are looking for These are two great games. I wish there was one Saturday, one Sunday, but whatever. Sunday's going to be a great football watching day. We're rooting for the Bills and the Bucks, Brady and josh allen and the bills mafia and all that but you know what truthfully you can't go wrong these are four great quarterbacks four good teams it's gonna be fun all right i'm jerry callahan this is the callahan podcast and we will talk to you again soon why am i stopping no one else stops i don't 
I, can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast. You strive to innovate, to propel payments forward. But what if you could do even more, access more people, and add more value? With Discover Global Network, you can. Accepted in more than 200 countries, with over 270 million cardholders around the globe, we help you grow further, faster. As the world's fastest-growing payments network, see just how much progress we can make together. Discover Global Network. Accelerate progress.